This is Jason Bailey from ArtGnome.com. You're listening to Cynthia Gayton, who puts the smart into contracts. DJJ Skrilla gets you high upon contact. You can't smoke a Bitcoin, but you don't want that AOTB in your ears. Push play and launch that. None of this stuff is legal advice. But drop your shit coins and get some art. All right. This is Mike in Space of Bitcoin Car Talk, and you're listening to Art on the Blockchain, the podcast for crypto art and music with your hosts, Cynthia Gayton and Jay Skrilla. Hey, everybody, this is Tatiana Moroz, and I'm coming to you from Art on the Blockchain, the place for creatives to come and hang in the crypto space. This is Jimmy Song, you're listening to Art on the Blockchain. Yo, 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 this is Drop Blister, and you're tuned in to the Crypto Creative Podcast, Art on the Blockchain, with your hosts, Cynthia Gayden and Jay Squirrela. <laughs> It's good to be back, you know what I'm saying? Glad to be home. I need to talk to you, though, you know? The word technology actually comes from the Greek word techne, which actually means art. And every great civilization in history has had to have its artists in order for it to be considered a thriving civilization. Welcome back to episode 15. 15. Art on the blockchain. 1-5. Good number. Good number. Good, good, good number. We have uh, two special guests, or two, or a few special guests today. Uh, two from each crew, I believe. We have Rare R- 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 Art Labs and Video Create Bid. They're both joining us. Oh my God! Rare Art Labs first. They're coming up from Richmond, Kevin John. And then we'll have uh, James and Trevor on the line to join that call later. Uh, great bit. They'll be calling from uh, New York, I believe. We're going to get into all that. It's going to be some uh, <laughs> exciting conversations. Exciting conversations about um, token curated registries. Yep. And uh, new. Um, Ethereum models of tokenization, I believe. I think they both have different proposals they're doing. They have different ideas. There's a very philosophical idea coming out of video, create, and then with uh, Rare Art Labs, while it's not not necessarily the philosophical, um, I think it'll be something that is familiar to people. They have a lot of concepts that people will be able to identify with. and won't feel as, in some respect, when you talk about these things, people get confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they have different approaches, um, and you'll, I think you'll be attracted, you'll find yourself attracted to one s- 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 style, I guess. Um, but they both are heavy art-oriented and creative-oriented mm-hmm. versus the technology, so that's one thing that's very interesting about, about these guys. They have artists on the team, some of them developers or artists themselves, so that adds a different flavor to the whole. Yeah, and the discussion. rare art labs guys, they're uh, they have a good market reach or good uh, good reach and uh, 
they're, they're reaching out to a lot of artists. I know they've launched their platform, and they're uh, doing an event here May 9th in D.C. that y'all should probably come out to at, um, what's the name of the festival? Pow Wow. Pow Wow. International Arts Festival. <coughs> I'll have a, um, we'll have a link at the bottom, so we'll get to that. And uh, I wanted to shout out, before we get into the top news, that... Um, me and Emoji Nakamoto put a piece up today on Rare, on Super Rare Uh-oh. platforms by Pixar. It's part of our Can't Smoke a Bitcoin campaign, which is going very well. There's going to be a Medium post about it soon, about all the uh, highlights of it. And for now, you can uh, go on Super Rare and buy an exclusive Rare 5 issuance GIF that involves the project in some way. So check that out. There you go. Heard it here first. Except yeah. maybe on Twitter. Yeah, maybe you heard it on Telegram <laughs> or Twitter too. But yeah, uh, let's get into Cynthia Gaten's top five. So this, there are things that I had to take out of the top five because news was coming at me all all day today while I was putting this together. I want to remind people about the Creative Week coming up next month. Uh, the creative, the crypto creative portion will be on May tenth. Lots of guests, lots for the guests to see and do, including us. We will be, we'll there. be there. Yeah. Um, also, just in, Snoop Dogg will be at XRP Community Night in New York City <laughs> on May 15th. That's just an invite only event. What's the motherfucking name? I am Shitcoin. Oh, holy shit. Um, they have a Twitter competition, and there's a link to that. That was something that was pretty hilarious. You gotta be an XRP bag holder to get in. Prices are extremely low and expected to increase exponentially. I'm the fuck a fake. What? Uh, so, the top five things. Um, on April 17. 2018, uh, there's an article called Blockchain Technologies Growing Role in the Art Industry by Christopher Tozzi on NASDAQ.com and the concept around this article was why blockchain technology at all? And they have uh, three points they want to make. The first is the scarcity of the art itself, the physical is an element of part of this discussion. Attribution rights is a personal favorite of mine uh, where they talk about when a work can be modified by someone who reuses or remixes it or otherwise creates a derivative work without permission. This is dealing with giving credit to people who are the creators without licensing and it's something that should be encouraged. The other uh, part of this discussion was on platforms. Um, Monograph is an entity that stores and redistributes digital artwork. Ascribe, another example of a platform that artists should look at. We've talked about Ascribe before several times. We have, yeah, but Ascribe, I think, is going, is becoming non-functional here soon. They're oh, not really? Not anymore. So okay, we well, there we go. <laughs> okay, so scratch that. Um, Codex, yay, I have to, we have to give another shout out to Jess Holgrave, who was here last time. Um, the purpose of Codex is to build a protocol on which distributed applications can in turn be constructed. Um, we've talked about Verisart and Mesonaeus. talked about uh, Mesonaeus in particular on uh, episode 5 when we talked to Joe Looney. Uh, Dada, another yay. Um, we are, you know the team behind that, so that's another cool thing. Creates a decentralized marketplace for art. So that article kind of summarizes a lot of the major players that have actually at least four of them have been, or three of them have been around for quite a while. So it's worth investigating. Next article um, coming out of March 31st, 2018. Crypto craze meets art. 
This was a discussion about Bitcoins being used to buy Nelson Mandela's uh, golden hands. Uh, yeah, this is a, what happened was a mold was taken of, of Nelson Mandela's hands and they were cast in gold. And the purchaser was this uh, entity called Arbitrade. They just made one? There were apparently uh, four were made, four were buy, bought by this guy named uh, Malcolm Duncan. Mm. And he bought all four of them for about $31,000 back in 2002. Um, he tried to sell them back in 2007, but there was a provenance issue, so nobody wanted to buy them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is wor- worked with this uh, arbitrate to, um, he sold it to them for $10 million in Bitcoin. Uh, so the price of the collection of four hands is $10 million in, in Bitcoin. He uh, is receiving he them. He bought these for 31000 or so? Arbitrate bought them oh yeah he bought originally so bought that was for, the original now he's selling them for 10 million bucks a few right, years later right um, damn so, yeah damn so arbitrate is is planning on a world publicity tour using the castings uh, so that's why they purchased it about 17 years ago i was fortunate enough to help mr mandela open a breast cancer clinic in soweto in south africa a little bit after this, I got to hear that they were going to manufacture these pure gold castings of Mr. Mandela's hands. They were going to make 27 sets. I was fortunate enough to buy the only set. Oh, yes. the, the concept behind Arbitrate is that all their virtual coins are supposed to be backed by some percentage of physical metal. So by Nelson's hands? Everything that's... This, this is just one okay. thing, so they're actually uh, collecting physical objects on which to base Assets. their coins. Yeah. So their so their coins will always have a, a link to a physical object. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's a it's an interesting approach. Number 3 March 19, 2018 an article called uh, Crypto is the new rock and roll. Uh, is in Asia Times. Uh, it's about Matt Sorum is a former drummer of Guns N' Roses. And he says he's working to launch a live performance and payment platform called Artbit. Problem with Artbit, if you try to look for this, is that there are many, many, many things called Artbit. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a, a link, I hope, or I have a Twitter handle to what, what I hope is the right <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, the platform they're using is called Hashgraph. Uh, Artbit says there's a gaming element as well as AR. Hashgraph is the new uh, the new buzzword now. Oh, is it? I don't know. It, that's the one that uh, Amin Gur done or oh. is always talking about. Talking about. Um. Anyway, there's so it's supposed to launch an Artbit ICO for all artists. That's the intent. Quote from Forbes interview by uh, Brian Rowley in his article "Former Guns and Roses." Rose's drummer Matt Sorum talks Artbit, his new crypto-based music platform. Um, so the interview—it's a—it's actually a pretty long article, but I just want to quote a little bit of it. Of it. So uh, uh, Sorum says, "This is no different than the digital age of music, where people were saying what's happening, and record labels completely missed the boat on that one, didn't they? They didn't even think maybe we should buy Napster. That would have been smart." So the interviewer says, instead, they just freaked out. Swarm says, they freaked out and said, that's going to go away, just like they're saying about crypto. It's not going away. 
Oh, Take nice. it from GMR's drummer. The crypt is not going away. <laughs> like Guns N' Roses, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that was go, interesting. I'm pump some GMR. <laughs> um, four, crypto art by the mother of cypherfunk fantasies. It's an art collaboration between Elva Molitor Gartzel and Carl Gartzel. You just, you're butchering these names, aren't you? I know, Gartzel. It, you can it, it's Garzel uh, mother and son uh, yeah. collaboration there was an exhibit held on uh, from March 30th to April 8th and and, and, and there's a we'll have a link at garzel.se so it's a mother son combination the mother is the uh, visual artist and the son is into uh, crypto mm-hmm. um, so Carl is the gamer with a financial services background Ilva visualizes her son's stories through her paintings she uses wind paper board. It's a, apparently a building material and gouache paint. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also she also has the, her work at, on exhibit at her gallery in Sweden. They're selling it for crypto or something. Apparently, he tells stories about crypto, oh, okay. and she visualizes it in, in her paintings. It's actually it really though? nice. She has there. She has the gallery exhibit. Oh, it, are they Dude. taking crypto for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know because the my. Uh, Swedish isn't really up to snuff. Oh. Yeah. Right. I'm going to have to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool concept. That's... But the art is actually really, really nice. So, I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just So the mother found it. her son being too much of a gamer. It was like, you know what? The only way I can interact with him is by painting him doing this gaming. And then they formed a connection and bond. This is... Blockchain <laughs> is fucking saving lives, for real. It's, it's not the way to do it. <laughs> Relationships. Holy shit. Blockchain <laughs> Jesus save us. We're we're in your arms. Stop, stop, oh omnificent one. Hey, you know, we've got we have we've covered a lot of things. Religion, philosophy, just in this, this episode. Blood. Oh my god. Um then number five on April twenty fifth and twenty sixth, as we speak, uh, there's a New York Times Art Leaders Network event in Berlin. From the press release, the New York Times bring, brings together a select group of the world's most distinguished art experts and influencers, from dealers and gallery owners to architects, museum directors and curators, from auctioneers and collectors to art industry advisors and corporate executives. The only reason why I'm mentioning them here is included among those um, influencers is Robert Norton, co-founder and CEO of VerisArt, and we've talked about them before. So mm-hmm. it's it's if VerisArt is Participating in this as kind of a, a significant thing, at least, you know, in my opinion, I thought it was pretty cool. For sure. So that's it. That's the top five. Great. Um, I guess we should talk about our event we just did. Yeah. Uh, um, what did you think? I thought it was great. Um, yeah, it was a good facility at GW at, in your uh, place where you teach. Which yep. It's nice. Uh, Comfortable. Playing <laughs> a teacher role for a second in a, in a place that Cynthia teaches... Uh, pain people to listen to her. <laughs> it's uh, kind of cool because you're in a you're in a see-through classroom, so people. It was Saturday, someone was there, but I guess people would be walking by watching you teach. Yeah, kind of strange. Yeah, but it was cool. It was a very good event. I think um, uh, we had people from we had artists come up from Miami. Um, we had a DJ coming down from Baltimore. 
James come down from uh, New York to talk about CreateBid, who we're going to be talking to in a little bit. I'm going to keep this pretty simple and quick and leave a lot of time for questions because I love to get right to you know, the point of confusion for each of you. Um, but you know, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different than you know, rare tokens on a blockchain. Um, I think it's important to realize that we had blockchain and cryptography in like the 90s. Um, and the real reason we're here is crypto economics. So that's like what Bitcoin introduced is a crypto economic system that rewards miners for securing the network. Um, but you can do a lot of stuff with tokens, which are the incentives. Um, you know, and the definition of crypto economics is just using cryptography and economic incentives to achieve information security goals. Um, and that kind of buzzword phrase can mean a lot of different things um, for various business networks and you know public networks. Um, so I'm going to start uh, just by showing this amazing music video, courtesy of DJ Jay Skrilla. Let's go. And um, yeah, I thought that it was good energy. Yeah, people asked good. They did ask good questions. Everybody there was interested. I was I was surprised in a way because I think people are paying attention to our podcast and that's why they're there. But surprisingly, this is was a very successful meetup in the sense that most of the people who came came via the meetup yeah. site. They didn't come via our podcast. No. They, they were like podcast. What podcast? <laughs> not not all of them, but a few. Of them Some of them. I was that was very yeah. surprising. Like, oh, you guys have a podcast? <laughs> you have like, a podcast. Oh, I was like, and you came anyway. I was like, that's pretty awesome. Interesting. That by by power of the meetup, <laughs> they they appeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that was cool. And then uh, some uh, alum from GW were there, and uh, it's always difficult to get, in my opinion, to get some academics to come to these these things because it isn't studied enough. Mm -hmm. There isn't a lot of body of work from an academic perspective on what this is about. So, um, so it's nice when we even had a financial regulator show up. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so we were on our P's and Q's. Oh, ICO talk. There was no pumping. <laughs> no, nope, just we information. Don't do anyway, honestly, I'm gonna keep it real with all you motherfuckers listening right now, right? Straight up. Do you want to hear a good talk about crypto, art, and music from people that aren't too over the heads? Just talk to me and right? <laughs> We don't know shit, but we know how to talk about it for a couple of hours, right? And what you need to do is hit us up and let us come to your city and do it. And just can experience this this awfulness that we bring. <laughs> but we have fun. We have yeah. fun doing it. We'll have some fun. We have stickers. <laughs> we come with stickers. Okay, party people in the house. Yeah, boy. Um, and a couple things I want to talk about with the with uh, with what I'm talking about on the on May 10th. Um, I spoke briefly with uh, Sharon, um, who will, who will be my on the panel with me, and we were trying to think of well, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? We have a, a discussion topic. This, this is in May. In May. May tenth. May tenth. And um, so we decided to come up with a way of dealing with ideas that um, have different meanings in different contexts. So there's a lot of discussion about fungibility and non-fungibility. And for me, it was like, what are you? What is this about? And I had to kind of bring it into legal terms, which is dealing with an idea of specific performance. So fungibility, non-fungibility is more of an investor term. So if you're, you can kind of tell 
when people are talking about certain things, where they come from in terms of what, where do they get, why are they thinking of things in that way. And so all of these things ha are coming from an environment that the people who are saying these things are familiar with. And the next thing is elasticity versus inelasticity is an economic thing. So all of these things are related, but nobody's necessarily making those connections. So we're going to try to maybe broaden an interest in what this is, the fungibility mm -hmm. thing, by drawing on different uh, fields so that everybody can feel like they understand. I've heard the word fungible more in the last couple months than I've ever yeah, heard in my ever, entire life. Exactly. For sure. So that's uh, so anyway, so we're trying to come up with ways to make it more um, accessible to people who are not in the investor world uh, so that, you know, not that necessarily anybody's in the economic world or legal world, but at least you can, we can broaden it out to make it relatable to people. So yeah. anyway, that's what we're, we're thinking about talking about. Sweet. Um, I'm going to talk about artists uh, doing shit in the blockchain, so that'll be fun. Um, and then uh, there'll be some performance stuff afterward. So stick around for that. Shout out to Isabel for that. And uh, basically, we have a long scheduled program coming up here. So go ahead and get your uh, coffee your coffee and your hair gel. Slick back. Loosen your tie a little bit. Shut the office door. We're going to talk to Rare Art Labs in video.io. This is Theo Goodman. You are now listening to Art on the Blockchain Podcast, Crypto Creative Style, with your two hosts, Cynthia Gaten and Jay Skrilla. Get mean with it. All right. Now we're uh, blessed to have Rare Art Labs in the studio with us up here in Alexandria, Virginia. Greetings. John and Kevin. Kevin and John, depending on what we're, we're looking at. Them. Kevin over here. Yep. John here. That's right. A conversation among friends. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, um, yeah, Rare Art Labs, uh, I guess if you're not familiar, you should be. They threw a uh, crazy function that we've, uh, it seems like we've been talking, we can always say we've been talking about it since uh, January. Yep. Um, the uh, digital, Rare Digital Art Festival in uh, New York City. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, I'm head nodding. I was like, oh, wait, people yep. can't see this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Jan January 13th, and uh, welcome on that. Much respect. A round of applause there. Thank you. Thank, thank you. thank you. Thank you. And um, before that event, that kind of kicked off a lot of stuff, I think, in this industry. Um, what were you all doing prior in terms of Rare Art Labs? Yeah, uh, I'll start. Yeah. Um, so I was running a creative studio with my friends, basically, um, called Never Not. Uh, started out of college, basically just VCU. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, two roommates just had the idea to make websites to pay for rent. Um, one thing led to another. We ended up working, uh, doing some pretty amazing branding work mm -hmm. for uh, some national record labels. Okay. Uh, one being 300. Okay, dope. Entertainment. Uh, yeah, my friends and I basically launched the brand, and that kind of got me really into the scene mm -hmm. and really learning like the power of branding, the power of uh, serving artists, and seeing what that can do for the culture. Sure. Um, and yeah, and just kind of doing all, all things digital, basically. Um, and then, <clears throat> I think it was like, sometime in the summer, the crypto boom was, was hitting pretty strong. Yeah. And I was just chatting with um, 
Tommy, a really good friend between me and John. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Kevin, we got this really cool idea. I think, I think, I think you should be a part of it. And then, you know, John kind of Yeah, sure. So before Rare Art Labs, uh, I was over, I was the founder of a company called Commandive, which was actually the first combined cryptocurrency and stock trading platform for U.S. investors. Okay. Um, before that, hedge funds, investment banking, and I've been a collector of art for years, since I was a kid, like going to fish shows. Okay. Um, <laughs> had this big, big, you know, interest in art, and it was a lot around the Ethereum blockchain that really kind of, you know, got me woke. We, Tommy and I were sitting around talking, and we are like, wait, you can actually program this thing? It's like Bitcoin, but you can actually create scripts to actually do the things you want it to do. So it's got all the benefits and transparency of the Bitcoin blockchain, but now we can actually program it to function and do trustless transactions. So the smart contracts. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We were like, wow, right. that is huge. Right. And you know the, the Genesis story is funny enough that it started with us talking about this on our couch out in Bushwick, mm -hmm. and Tommy's dog Tater was sitting between us. And Tommy's like, shouldn't there be like, you know, Tater on the blockchain, like Tamagotchi pets? We we had those as kids, like those that, that was the coolest thing. <laughs> and you know, remember, this is way before CryptoKitties launched. Right. Uh, later, later, I think they launched around November of 2017. Um, this was back in August, September, um, and that kind of morphed into a bigger idea where we started asking ourselves, like, is there first and foremost a real problem here? And that answer was truly yes. We knew all these digital artists, including Tommy himself, previously having worked as a contractor, um, as well as you know, Kevin and, and many of the friends we have, have worked as contractors in the creative field and have lost all rights to their IP. Yeah. So there was no ability to sell passion projects or to sell any personal art mm -hmm. that's done digitally for profit. Yeah. And that seemed like a travesty in the world. Right. Um, and the blockchain was the approach that we saw is, hey, maybe there's a real chance to change the world here, um, to actually create a way, a future where there are full-time artists who just work on digital passion projects and get paid for that. There comes a time when we need a circle, when the world must come together as one. So Rare Art Labs is here to change the world. The I mean, art world, the world <laughs> as we, a whole. As big as we can make. All right. right? Artists for, globally. Sound the horn for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I remember you blasting that at the at Rare AF. Remember yeah. at the, yeah. the auction? <laughs> People were going mad. <laughs> I think I did it a couple of times. I remember one of the funniest things about that uh, that auction was that It was going really well. Everyone was so excited. And then I'm getting these like blowing up on the text messages because that was the office space of my old startup. So I was right. going to lock us down the space and throw the whole event on floor Dope two. Dope space too. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. You're not there anymore? Not there anymore. Oh, I'm awesome. mostly working out of Richmond now okay. to support the team on the product and engineering side. Um, but anyway, the funny thing was like the, the uh, people who were tasked with running the space started blowing up my phone telling me the event was supposed to end at five. They need everybody out. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
And so I tell the team who's, I guess it was the archetype team that was actually auctioning it. Oh. And everyone, they're like, okay. It, it just was this condensation of scarcity where everyone's like, okay, we can't even do all the lots. We're going to have to go to the big ones before we get kicked out. And it, it was like, the air was thick in there, if you yeah, remember yeah. it. it was People were drinking by then. Oh, yeah. Absolute pandemonium. <laughs> Intentionally. We, yeah. we brought those drinks out before. Yeah. That was a feature, not a bug. <laughs> time i mean everybody we talk about it, like i said you know, every time we have a conversation because people that we talked to since have heard about it yeah sure and so that's the so what were your expectations because we also talk about that too we have our own spin it's like you guys were expecting it because on discord it was like we're hoping to get 100 people and you know and then it just turned into something else but just talk about like that expectation your feelings about it before it even happened yeah, I think um, I think it was. It all started with a tweet. Right? Yeah, Joe Looney. Yo, this is Joe Looney tuned into the Crypto Creative Podcast. Art on the blockchain. Joe Looney tweet. And then you know, we basically were the first ones like, we're gonna host this thing. Let's make it happen. Y'all and saw that tweet and you, like called each other up like, yo, let's make this shit happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 knew this is big, right? Yeah. Like this was on the verge of something that was going to eventually be one of the biggest dominant use cases of the Ethereum blockchain, mm-hmm. which we saw with CryptoKitties. Because remember, back then, that's exactly when um, they were clogging the entire blockchain, right, yeah, and everyone right, was talking right. about it. it, was getting New York Times articles, yeah. <laughs> and it made so much sense. Like, this is the new thing. Even the Bitcoiners are heralding it the maximalists because it was actually clogging the Ethereum network. <laughs> that's yeah. right. It's a, it a pretty much a, the most unison day on a feature, in cryptocurrency. Not a, not a bug. Ever. Everyone's complaining. I can't move my Ethereum right now. And so then it was, you know, bringing everyone together on Twitter saying, let's do this. Let's make this real. Let's get this going. Um, and then we just, you know, put it on our shoulders. We said, all right, start we with the Eventbrite page. We all took the alpha page. approach and was like, fuck this. We yeah, got the space. Much. You know what I mean? We're just, but it seems had like... You all, had you all, must, on that real quick, had you started conceptualizing rare art labs at that point? Oh, yeah. Okay. So our initial version of the white paper was already done. Okay. We were already right. building. Um, we were playing around, you know. So to see that tweet and opportunity pretty much like, yo, we can throw this event and, I mean, you know, how I would think as a business man, we can launch our shit off the network that we're pretty much going to create here too, right? Yeah, and we wanted to bring the community together. I mean, as particularly as people new to Ethereum, like once you start developing Ethereum, it's wildly different. Wildly different than just you know traditional synchronous programming in you know web interfaces or elsewhere. Because everybody has your back and wants to see it all grow type thing. And you want advisors, right? Mm-hmm. You want friends. You want to find other people who are in the trenches, really trying to make this real. And ever since then, you know, people we became really close. For example, with the Dada ladies, with mm-hmm. Maya and Judy, and they're advisors to us now. So um, we're such big fans of Dada NYC and everything that they stand for. Yeah. I mean, it was only because of this event that we could have actually come together as a community and. And saw that this is something where we can all succeed. Let's work together. Yeah, they were really good at that event too. Yeah, they had yeah. a nice reception before. And we got to get them on the podcast. They're, I think they're, they're every they're traveling all the time. Yeah, I know. It's been, we we told them I think in May. So because you guys you showed up in you should know in the in Twitter you know they have the little sidebar thing is that do you know so and so so you guys showed up and I had I sent a message to Joe. It's like who, who are these people? He's like. I'm because <laughs> you just showed up because it was like you know because i'm on there and most of my stuff is crypto on my on my twitter feeds and so you guys just showed up 
and it was, you know, it was just like, okay, that was definitely meant to happen. So, you know, now looking back on it, I was like, mm-hmm. it was definitely meant to happen. So, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and I remember um, even the week or two, a like week and a half leading up to it, we are like, oh my God, there's like 100 people at RSVP. It's like, <laughs> Y'all and, four times that at least. Yeah, and, and then, then, pushing, like, then like literally two days before, yeah. it was like 400, 500. We're like, uh. And I was <laughs> freaking out because it was like, you know, the event space was basically under my name. And I yeah. told them like 150 people on a Saturday uh-huh, and we max. won't need security or anything because we'll be well behaved. Right. And we were just like, oh my, <laughs> oh my God. God. You didn't realize that DJ Pepe was going to be <laughs> on that pop around. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that was so good. That was super good. Yeah, that was a fun time. <laughs> What what was like uh, out of that event? Like, what did you guys take away from it that probably meant the most to you? For me, it was that demand is real. Okay. Um, the auction, I think, was for us the biggest eye-opening experience. That before that, I certainly had a concern in my head that we might be too early. Yeah. That there's not yet demand of people who have ether and who are willing to spend it because they in the true scarcity and fundamental properties of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And I think we proved that wrong. I mean, yeah, granted that the biggest asset was a counterparty asset that was traded. It was yeah, the, Pepe Cash. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it was like 39200 US, but done in Pepe Cash, and that's all you know, built off the counterparty uh, you know, on the Bitcoin blockchain. Sure. Um, but we also saw that CryptoKitty and, and assets trade for around 20000 And to me, that was the biggest opener of my eyes, which is like, actually... This is real. People particularly, there's this feels like there's this wealth effect of people who've been in the space for a long time and now have a lot of crypto money. Yeah. And they're, they feel now wealthier and are looking for places to reinvest them. Yeah, yeah. It and, helps. To, I was telling people that that's kind of like the win-win right now is that, you know, an investor bought some Ethereum for three Ethereum or something for, you know, $1.50 and then goes out and buys something that's $2,100, but it's $2,100 to the artist, but it's three fifty dollars to him, but they both win because he got art for cheap. You know, he didn't, the ticket price wasn't really $2,100 for him, you know, and then, uh, you know, the artist can cash that out for $2,100 or they can continue, you know, the network effect of, you know, I got Ethereum, I paid, I sold my art, and da, 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 da. you know, it kind of just keeps rolling like that. Totally. Yeah. Kev, what was your take? Um, my biggest takeaway was... Um, it was really the community, right? It was like, it was amazing for me to see all, all, all these people show up. Uh, people who didn't know anything about crypto. People that did were like really veterans into it. And then having um, all these panelists just from their point of view. Like, hey, here's our story up to this date. Mm-hmm. Like six months ago, no one cared about this. And now like, look at us here. Yeah. Um, and then having a crowd that was just like very engaged. That was really really significant because people were paying attention right people were paying attention people were not only paying attention but I actually had people come up to me saying like hey thank you for having this chat and like kind of tell me like the generalization of all this and mm-hmm. then thanks for being like very inclusive uh, you know like I, I've yeah. actually I've been, someone came up to me and was like uh, was like I've been to a lot of crypto meetups and this is the funnest one I've been to yeah for sure so that, that was like yeah, yeah cool. it definitely was <laughs> yeah that was definitely you go to these big conventions and they're just ICO shill fest, or you go to a meetup and it's everybody like doing that exactly that silence you just heard. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> pitching something. Yeah.
Well, you've already heard it before. That's the worst. You go, yeah. and even though it's different people, it's like, <laughs> I only need to substitute word here. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Y'all have uh, a second event coming up in the summer? We actually um, have an event coming up sooner. Okay, which event? Uh, we have two events kind of coming up with. Um, but the Rare AF, we are we are planning on doing something in the summer. Okay. Uh, but coming up May 9th, mm-hmm. which is 14 days from now. Yeah, and when you're hearing this podcast, probably a little bit less. But yeah, yeah. Yep. So, you know, get in while you fit in. Uh, it's going to be here in D.C. Yep. Uh, we are partnering up with Pow Wow D.C., which is an international mural festival. Yeah. Rare Art Labs, in partnership with Pow Wow D.C., is hosting a rare digital art auction with 8% of proceeds donated to Autism Speaks, potentially a limited edition digital prints from Jasper Wong, Marianne UK, Matt Carrado, Bird Cap, Jeff Gratz, Joyce, and Kelly Toll. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Uh, we really want to pack it up with uh, people who are into crypto, mm-hmm. like art. Um, because there's definitely going to be a ton of like art. You want just pe- also people, to be clear, art people that don't know about crypto, too? Certainly. Um, I think, fortunately, we're going to have like a lot of, um, you know, kind of the the artist side of things just because mm-hmm. it's like such a it's a one week long powwow is an artist event absolutely right. it's an international thing so people are flying in from like all over the place you hear that dc yeah it's gonna Wednesday, be legit may 9th yeah so those murals that you've seen around dc it's those guys okay yeah so sure um but yeah we even have the founder of powwow gonna be you know, nice okay dope yeah jasper wong Right. So I really like Wong. that print too. It's called Party Hardy. It's it's a really good print too. Nice. Uh, I think it's a one of one. So got to be there if you want that piece. So you get the the physical piece and you're tokenizing it as well. Um, or? they're they're going to be so people are doing different stuff, right? So one person's going to be um, tokenizing a sketch that they're going to do a mural of, mm-hmm. and someone there's just going to be a digital piece that no one else has really seen. Okay. Yeah. Is this through Rare Art Labs, like That's the right. Yeah. The actual protocol. So this be like the first time, like a call, like this is yeah. going on. Yeah, and then on top of that too, we've got a second event two days after <laughs> in New York City. Yeah. Uh, so if you can you imagine know, us yes. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, at uh, Ethereal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ethereal. Am I saying that right? Ethereal. 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 Right. ethereal. Yeah. yeah. Ethereal. But uh, Ethereal is going to be a great conference, also, and that's going to be really our official launch of the rare auctioneer application. Okay. Um, which you can think of as like eBay meets Instagram for digital art. Allows artists to sell to fans and fans to like, to comment, to follow, and to bid on and buy mm-hmm. pieces of rare digital art. So we're really excited for that. I mean, we're in conversations now with a few hundred different artists. Um, oh. When we have, we selected our first class of rare preferred artists, mm-hmm. and that's a few dozen. Yeah. Um, so of those few dozen that we've accepted, um, a number of them we're going to be showcasing at the Ethereal Conference. Um, again, this is partially proceeds will go to uh, benefit a foundation that's helping create grants for mm-hmm. people exploring digital art and creating digital art and using the blockchain. So, yeah, so we really want to really shout out great. Codex yeah. for inviting us. Yeah, that's a Codex with and Jess Holgrave. Yep. Yeah, we, had, we had her on the last episode talking about it. So. Yeah, she's cool. Um, oh yeah, and one thing that we want to announce too is that we're partnering up with Mural. Okay, uh, dope. So they make these really cool digital art canvases. Yeah. And they're going to be debuting their, their stuff as well at the Ethereal. So, the so, so if you buy Mural now, you'll have like a rare art lab section where you can upload. Yeah, we're prints. so we're working towards that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're definitely going to do a debut, like show off the art at Ethereal with using Mural. 
dope. Yeah, I want to get a mural for my house. We got to get ones that are more like consumer priced. Like for, I think they're getting there. Are they? Yeah. I saw one for like 600 pounds. I was like, you know what? I, I, I. <laughs> and we love them too. I mean, yeah. not just because they're beautiful canvases to hang in the home, but it's yeah. kind of the natural marriage of digital art and physical display. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we often hear from artists that we reach out to initially they one of their first objections is okay but why would people buy this and when you send them a quick link like well we have a partnership for example with mural mm-hmm. and murals are beautiful canvases that allow you to showcase your digital works in the home that light bulb usually goes off yeah particularly because a lot of our artists as well work with moving image mm-hmm. and you know i feel like we are just years away if not you know dozen a couple months from kind of a Harry Potter-like future where you've got, you know, digital canvases with moving prints around your house. And I'm so excited for that because I just think it's beautiful and it's really a native use case of digital art. Um, so many of our artists have that, like, experience in motion, animation, um, CGI design, and, yeah. and, uh, and gift creation. So yeah. we're really excited, and, and they uniquely show off the benefits of, of real that's, digital that's, art. Yeah, that's going to be dope. I think uh, that's going to be big market tap. We're not even talking about being able to share this art across the Ethereum ecosystem, you know? Yeah, it's really cool. Right, right. Do you have a question? No, I'm just I'm just thinking about if there were mural images of where all these these panels are and how you could feed, you know, your your images into them. And while we're sitting here in our, I mean, I'm just imagining yeah. <laughs> sitting here in this in this space and then having all of the memes or whatever. Going through the all the based panels. on the conversation, a certain meme pops up. <laughs> yep. I mean, I remember there was like that story back in the day where like people who've been to Bill Gates' house and then like the they would have screens that would change based on the person. In the room. Oh wow! You know, I think now can people can have that. Mm. You know, not just Bill Gates and stuff. <laughs> I want to get some mood gifts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I feel. That's Tokenize not how I feel. <laughs> And I think there's, you know, I think that's just the beginning, right? Like, we're starting to see this crossover from the physical to digital world. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that only gets stronger as more technology gateways open up. So whether that's VR or it's more immersive audiovisual experiences, mm-hmm. um, anything along those lines, you're going to consistently see this blurring of digital art and digital imagery on top of physical overlay. Uh, so I think, you know, we're well prepared for that eventuality um and some of our artists we even work with you know build in stereoscopic images that are best seen on vr or at least with 3d glasses right right dope so rare art labs is prepared for the vr crunch oh for sure right how many people work for you guys or work with you guys our team's in total about 12 okay um yeah and and a slightly fewer full-time but the the full team who's operating and helping here and there is 12 and we couldn't be more excited with the team because it's you know we're all old friends it's like a team that's you know old school from virginia known each other for years i mean some of them and one or two of them have even known each other since they were nine years old childhood friends so it's it's fun it's a really really uniquely fun team to work with y'all got the rare art labs mansion in richmond that y'all just uh we got a barbershop that we're working out of yeah i wouldn't call it a mansion (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's kind of cool it's probably old it's it's a yeah it's no it's cool um yeah, it actually is like the, the Never Not Studio that is like, hey, everyone, just come in here and work out of here now. But yeah, it's, a, it's like an old barbershop that we just took over like years ago. Downtown? Um, it's in the fan. It's like right, it's like, if 
you know anywhere anything about Richmond, it's like this part of between the college. Are you able to touch the colleges down there? Pretty tough with this, or what? No, we're I moving. Mean, yeah, yeah. I think like, I mean, a lot of our, our like my friends and the people I've worked with are all connected to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, went to BC too. Yeah. So it's really a matter of time. Okay. And some artists we've been talking to as well are in uh, BFA and MFA programs um, at a number of different art schools. And for us, that's, you know, it's, it's, it, we, we enjoy those connections and we think they have a lot of potential. Yeah, because they're good. Yeah, they're and so they've good. got a lot of friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the amount of talent good that talent exists right now, dude, yeah. the amount of talent that exists coming out of schools right now is unbelievable. Yeah, I can imagine, or I can't imagine I was actually on the phone uh, just the other day with one of our artists who's based out of Stockholm, and um, him and I were talking about that it's this unique intersection of some tailwinds behind the scene that I think are all coming to fruition at the same time. Mm-hmm. One of those is that when you th- when you talk to a lot of the creators out there and you ask them where they got their start, it was back when they were pirating Photoshop and Illustrator and Adobe products off of LimeWire. Like, go way back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, way back when, maybe at this point, 15-ish years ago, was when all of this software started becoming freely available on the internet. Ironically, the exact same problem we're trying to now prevent with Rare. But at the same time, it was when all those... <laughs> That's how it works. It's yeah, a cycle it is. of life. <laughs> those tools became so widely used that everyone started, you know... S- cutting their teeth yeah. at the very early days. And we're now at a point, fast forward 10, 15 years later, that the technology for digital creation has gotten that much better and more accessible. And there's been this refinement of talent. So you've got digital art unlike that has ever existed before. Yeah. And unfortunately, the one missing gap is that there's been all this big growth and supply of great artists, but there's been no way to sell it. No way to monetize that, yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, obviously we're out here preaching. We think you know, Ethereum is the answer, um, and and we certainly hope it is because this could create a new world where people can solely profit off their work, not have to do contract gigs, not have to work, you know, on, on other people's passion projects. Right, right. So, all right, I guess two questions. One is, uh, if I'm an artist, how do I sign up? Like, tell the tell the world how that happens. And number two would be, can uh, you know, people that create memes and stuff where they'd be able to monetize all this somehow sure yeah i'll answer one and pass number two to kevin and and to the first one just go to our website rareart.io and you'll see right there a button to sign up and uh apply to be a rare preferred artist so our rare preferred class we're being uh intentional about who we allow on the platform and what arts what artworks we're going to begin by displaying. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're constantly taking applications and seeking to fill out our second class now. Our first class is of exceptional talent uh, globally distributed from Beijing to Nigeria to Stockholm to New York to LA, right. all over the world. Right. Um, and now we're recruiting our second class. So yeah. really encourage people to come out. Um, any artists who think that they would like to sell to a global audience, rareart.io and just apply there and to this your is rare artists musicians videographers etc yeah, content think, creators whatever you can make that ends up as a digital file okay you, know, you, can, you can be on it okay sure. so when you mean first class are those the ones that are going to be subjected to this process <laughs> <laughs> what is that she's looking at the rare network diagram oh okay 
Yeah, that's. Uh, I would just like to say they might all be first class except for me. I'm in. I'm in. I, you guys chose me somehow. And I, I'm not a very good. <laughs> no, I mean I saw that Jiffy man. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I saw that video you made too. It's pretty good. Can't smoke Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, it's a good song. Appreciate it. <laughs> I like it. I actually been bumping it a couple times uh, a day. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's a couple um, times a day. <laughs> maybe that's a good you know jumping off point to explain a little bit more about what that experience is for the artist who signs up for us. So maybe we'll, can we put the uh, your your diagram up on the? I mean, a link to it. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's on the website or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Oh, oh, and just to answer that second question. Oh, the question. diagram. This is the one with like part one, part two, part three, part four. This is the, looks like the, this is the, uh, okay. Yeah. The network diagram. How it all works. The economy. Um, oh, yeah, to answer that second question, if you make memes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, if that's your craft. Well, I'm wondering in terms of like if a meme gets made and it gets shared all over, like it goes viral. Is there a way to monetize that? Yeah, there's a way to monetize it if you're the creator. We certainly think, you know, the more your meme goes viral, that's promotion, more value, right? right? It's like the idea that everyone Google searches the Mona Lisa, right. but very few people own it. And so, the more people that Google search it and talk about it, the more the authentic signed version from the artist is more valuable. So the Rare Art Labs, I guess my point is then releasing the master copy of something. Yeah, and it's it's the authentic copy more okay. than anything, right? Because you're signing it effectively with your wallet when you create it. So everyone can prove it came directly from you, and it was your intent to create either a unique one of one or a limited edition one of few. So you can do prints. Exactly. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And particularly a lot of our artists in the early days are working towards prints so we can start to develop a active and engaged community between fan and their collectors. Like mm-hmm. the, sorry, artist and then their fans and collectors. Well, this, this thing is is kind of like a flow chart. This thing, this paper this, that you're this holding. Diagram. This diagram. Mm-hmm. So is we're starting from the artist, mm-hmm. makes the determinations, and the det- artist gets to choose whether it goes directly to an auctioneer or a galleryist? So generally, anything that's going to be sold starts with at the auctioneer level. Okay. Um, and then the gallerist can interact with both artists as well as interact with... Um, collectors as well so it really the process starts at the auctioneer because the auctioneer is the entity that's responsible for tokenizing and then also putting on all of the attributes and so forth that go into the contract that mints the tokens so it's important to know that the auctioneer's value add to the artist is a lot about removing technological overhead so it's actually uploading the piece onto the IPFS, embedding that IPFS link into the blockchain, minting a set of tokens, what we call art tokens, which are we also refer to as digital prints, um, at the instructions of the artist, and then help the artist sell. So it's a very you know extended chain of value that we provide to the artist, but a thing that also adds on on top of that is we also help make the market. Um, it's very important that if you make the parallel between the physical art world and then what we're creating here with the digital art world, we actually take over sort of the responsibilities of both the dealer and gallerist as well as the auction house because generally in the physical art world, it works such that the gallery or dealer is handling the primary market and is drumming up enthusiasm for an artist's works. And... Christie's, Sotheby's, or the auction houses, they 
proactively claim they are not tastemakers mm. and they are just there to transact in the secondary market after there's already price history. We've got a bigger burden because we're at the, you know, in the tastemaking phase right now with a lot of the different artists and having to make sure that we are putting out high quality works that our other high quality artists would be happy to be displayed next to. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those tasks, which is a big bundle of work, is handled and shouldered by the auctioneer. And our beta for that auctioneer is, is exactly what we're releasing in two weeks. So, so the auctioneer can get earned as well? Through the auctioneer, the artist earns. But can the auctioneer can an auctioneer earn as well? Exactly. Yeah. So the auctioneer takes a cut off primary market proceeds, and and that's you know negotiated between the artist and auctioneer, so that the auctioneer can begin to. You know, so the auctioneer is like a manager almost. A bit, yeah. Right. And helps build the market, okay. right? So it's both like a, like a gallery, like a dealer kind a of curator of art and a curator. Yeah. Mm. So this is a human. It's software, more generally. Okay. Um, so it's more like a eBay-like website. So the rare oh. beta application looks and feels something like eBay meets Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, very excited to show you. It's going to be a mobile app? It is, yeah. Oh. So you'll download the Toshi browser and be able to interact with it through that. Okay. Toshi is Coinbase's thing? Yep. Okay. Browser with an Ethereum wallet built in. Gotcha. Okay, so artist, the thing that the artist is interacting with is the auctioneer in quotes not a person who's auctioning an entity that's auctioning it is a it is an entry point it's part of the interface that the that the artist is going to engage with yeah okay exactly and we use software to do that um but okay. it could be you know any any way but obviously software is a very scalable solution for handling contracts and and creating you know the assets on the blockchain Okay, so it isn't anything that you would necessarily avoid because the first thing I was looking at, just looking directly at this, is like, why wouldn't the artist just go to a collector? Is the human that you're, and why would they need to go there? Because, because the auctioneer is making the market and, and. Well, the auctioneer is is the interface. You can't avoid it because you have you have to go through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's be clear that you know we use the term auctioneer and we are building the first auctioneer but we fully anticipate and encourage others to come into that market and participate as auctioneers as well for example if a very big brand name artist wanted to release on our platform they, they, they might say i have the technological team that can just build the auctioneer capabilities ourselves and then they don't have to rely on any third-party platform to actually tokenize and sell but what they might start missing out on are the network effects that come from building a centralized area where, where buyers and sellers interact. Okay. Can you be anonymous buyer or seller? Yes. We ask for email so you can contact, but otherwise authentication into the app is just being able to prove that you have access to your wallet. So much like CryptoKitties, we're based around wallets Metal rather mass. than... Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Just like CryptoKitties uses MetaMask for that logging in feature, mm. it's the exact same thing we do. Okay. So a uh, uh, web-aware wallet, pretty much. Or, exactly. Mm. Okay. So, so if you can't, if you come through as the artist, you can go use you all's auctioneer, or somebody could be building on top of what you have that is not yours. Is that Correct. okay? So they can somehow make a selection. Okay, and if if available, and then they're so what? Okay, so now we're going to the collector. Is the collector a thing or a person <laughs> or what is the or an interface? Collectors are usually people just like us people. in this room. All right, so they're people. The auctioneer is a business. The collectors are people, 
And the collectors are buying this for all the reasons you might want to buy, own, and trade rare digital art. Right. And what do you, what do you think those reasons are? Just for I think there's a blend. Like I remember actually at, at Rare Art Festival, um, one of the individuals who was presenting put up a really good two by two matrix around the value of digital assets. And I remember at least a couple of those squares. One was intrinsic value, right? Is this something that I personally like and has significance to me? Mm -hmm. Another is extrinsic value. So does this make me look cool? That's really where murals and other external facing canvases and displays come in. Um, Utility also has a function as well because we definitely believe, and there's been some Twitter discussion as well, that you know, the metadata standard we're building around our ERC-20 and ERC-721 tokens include things such as image files and the same scarcity that comes with any contract on the blockchain. These could be used to power any sort of collectibles-based game. Right. So Pokemon Go, for example, a real Pokemon where you have a, you know, it's truly scarce and tradable amongst your friends. Right. Um, Magic the Cat, Magic the Gathering, the card game could right. be done through Rare right. uh, because there's finally a way to create scarcity or utility value for these tradable artistic assets. And it's good, but to be fair, the, the Rare Pepe, they, they've been doing that for like a year and a half. They were the godfathers of this whole scene, whole scene. Like everyone should always look to them as the as the creators. Yeah, they still need a game though. But it sounds like there's a lot more developers uh, working on Toshi and the game, you know, stuff like that. So I'm sure there'll be a game come out of it. And now that's what gives these tokens value, in my opinion, too. The more utility, um, you know, the, the extrinsic and the intrinsic value, obviously. But you know, adding utility to them, especially if you buy a piece early, and then you know, maybe there's only one thing it can do. But if cross-platform more things happen. And your, you know, your token becomes valuable in this game, or something in this, and can unlock this. And the consumer doesn't have to worry so much about the value. You know, what I mean, they're just kind of buying into the the value of like the whole ecosystem, almost too. You know, exactly. And Matt Condon um, wrote on Twitter, you know, extremely smart guy, and and the the point he made was that a lot it seems to him that a lot of developers are tackling this in the wrong direction that they've started with blockchain assets and then are trying to create a game around it yeah um crypto kitties i think fits more in that bucket it was first and foremost a quote-unquote game um i would say their gameplay was really this ability to breed cats and then send them and gift them to friends Mm. and that created both transparent like that created both virality and shareability of the product and also just the cats are so damn cute that like i own like (laughs) five in each wallet just because i have to uh and (laughs) we have different opinions on that (laughs) (laughs) um but his point matt's point was like you know he's really excited for the other direction right so when we take an established game developer Mm -hmm. who's been in this game for a while and and whether it's a massively multiplayer online game or it's a smaller collectibles oriented game i think it really starts with story and uh gameplay first and then that should be what builds value on top of some tradable assets but we're excited for that future we're really excited for that future and hope that maybe in some way we can help power that so you can instead of putting hats on the crypto kitties you can make them vampire kitties 
Right. <laughs> It'd be a whole other market. <laughs> or those, you know, like maybe there's some world in which you can, you know, walk your kitty around and, and play with other kitties or accomplish missions. All right, we spent too much air time on kitties on this show right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so for the artist side, so there's this step that I should have talked about. This, the registry side. So you can't even deal with the auctioneer until you've somehow or another gone through the registry process, right? It's a really good question. And so everything to do with the registry, and which is a token curated registry within our protocol, is phase two of our business. Um, okay. Phase one and everything we're focusing on right now is how fast can we work towards making success stories out of the artists that work with us. So we're very focused on the auctioneer. We're focused on getting true believers amongst our artists who never had a pathway to sale to now say, wow, this is a completely new channel. I'm going to start spending more time on this and I'm going to start taking this more seriously. And we know as we continue to do that, artists are going to talk to their friends Creatives will continue to collaborate, and this will expand naturally amongst creatives and other artists. And there will be a time when that gets too big for us to be the arbitrators of what is and what is not art. And I'm using air quotes here. Like what is and what is not allowed on the network. That's a pretty, in my mind, that's not something a centralized institution should ever really decide. We have to do that now because this is the bootstrapping process to get quality works on the platform. We have to attract people somehow. Exactly. Because exactly. You want to if you're doing some level of curation, it makes sense because you want people to see pretty images or nice or interesting or you know vampire kitties on your website. Exactly. And otherwise, you know, if if you if you went this route with the registry first, you may not get first if it were my business i'd want to control what people saw first i think yeah. i think that's incredibly insightful it's exactly correct it's exactly the pathway we're taking which is we're building curation first doing what we can knowing that that's not a scalable solution and when we get to the point where we can no longer do that ourselves we want to introduce rare token as the solution for a community-based screening of what is art and then what is not, what is fraud, what is spam, what is illicit or unsavory content. Um, and that pathway towards the future is we will launch Rare Token as the token that powers the Rare Registry, which is a token curated registry, only after the point that we can no longer do the screening anymore, we've opened it up, and now we've seen this problem of fraud, spam, and unsavory content enter the network then we will launch Rare Token as the solution. We will start by distributing a big, you know, the entire chunk meant for artists on a pro-rata basis to every artist who's ever released on the network. Boom, right there, we've already started to push voting power in the hands of artists so that this can be a network that is of artists, for artists, and by artists. So, Kev, how do you feel about having artists make those challenges in the sense that on, the, on, this, on this registry process, apparently, People can come and decide and challenge the authenticity. I guess there are two categories of things that can be challenged about the art. The, whether it's, I guess they can challenge if it's real, but authenticity is one of them. And it's a check on fraud, which I, I thought was, that was the most interesting thing to me was, well, this is kind of a, and it's underlined a couple times. <laughs> Individuals can challenge a work and are rewarded in rare token for identifying fraud and spam. So I understand that's phase two, but that was something that drew my attention. So how do you think that'll help? Yeah, I, th artists? I think, you know, if anyone's going to be challenging any artwork, it better be an artist. 
right? You know, someone, there's like that camaraderie that happens. And, um, and I think even best friends of an artist be like, oh, yeah, that's not the original piece because I know the person who made that. I'm going to challenge this. Not, that's how I feel like is if, if you were going to give the power to um, find some sort of moderation uh, that's in a decentralized way, it should be from the original creators first and even close friends of that creator. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I feel very optimistic about it. You know, I think uh, we've seen pretty decent examples of that happening on other networks, and they, and they mostly work. You know, I think like some stuff from Reddit to other you know, social networks, they seem to do a decent job of like filtering out what is... Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and the people who's, who have the most voting power are the ones who have like been in the network a while or have contributed the most and like have rep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. So they're staked in it. Exactly. With the rare token. Yeah. Are the rare tokens you guys going to ICO it at all or is it just going to be... So first and foremost, we'll be distributing it towards our artists. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't announced any plans yet on how we will more broadly distribute that to the community, okay. but we'll certainly do it in a way that we feel, number one, is a solution, like a utilitarian solution to a real problem on our network. Mm-hmm. And second of all, only when we feel that we're doing it in a fully compliant way um, yeah, sure. that would make sure that this could be something um, more like a commodity, less like a security that is actually used by participants in the network to power the network. Are you guys uh, uh, registered in Virginia? Uh, we are you know, in the process of re-registering right now. Okay. Um, so we're kind of getting ready for the next round of funding. Um, but we're taking this more like a traditional startup pathway of selling equity um, and using equity sales to actually reinvest in the business and to grow a real business behind it and use the token not as a fundraising pathway, but actually as a mechanism for both voting and staking within the rare registry so that our system can eventually become a fully decentralized system. So there's definitely some benefit with the equity model because I think when anybody who owns a a business trying to sell shares because that was the other element that tokens were supposed to potentially do is, is represent shares in a company for voting purposes. So the equity thing I don't. I, I'm hoping it avoids some problems, with, because the ICO problem yeah, is there is no equity. Right. You have the tokens, but you have no interest in the business. I was just talking to somebody today about that. I said how, people have a hard time understanding. Well, why would you put money behind something and you don't gambling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or but it's like to do not at all participate in kickstarter because all i got were patches and maybe you know a a cd (laughs) but i didn't get a percentage of their business forever and ever and ever because i gave them 50 bucks so i it was hard to for me to say how why are you having a hard time getting your head around this but the equity thing seems to be helpful but if it is equity then you have if it's a public company then you have other obligations and Uh, so that's a, a whole another can of worms. Yeah. yeah, and we don't have to be a public company. We can be, you know, a tra- more like more like a traditional startup that raises private equity from a VC. And you know, generally, I think there's two benefits. One is really governance. Um, they often demand board representation and do have a stake in the business. Number two, a lot of venture firms worthwhile, the ones that we're speaking to, have large networks of resources. 
right? They have, they, they've been through this so much that they know the problems you're going to encounter. And not only are they good advisors and counselors to you, but they also have networks of resources and potential hires that they can offer to you. Um, we do believe that, you know, the system in the United States for raising equity is one of the best. And it's there these days, there's off the shelf paperwork and legal work you can use to raise equity as a startup. Y Combinator is a great example out there of uh, organizations that have really tried to democratize this. Um, but generally, you know, we are just uh, big believers in trying to do what's right. Um, and we know that if we, there is a lot of regulatory uncertainty out there, but if we play it a little bit safe, if we do everything by the book, then we have the best shot of creating a sustainable, permanent difference in this ecosystem than something that is going to turn out to be malfeasant, you know, 12 right. months down the line. Let's, let's move away from that for a second. Um, what? Let me get both y'all's predictions. Kev, <laughs> what's going to be the highest price piece sold at Ethereal on May 11th? Ooh. Give me a, give me on, a, give me a number in Ethereum. This 80, like, 88. 88 Ethereum. Ding, 88 ETH? 88 ETH. Oh, man, let's do it. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of zeros there. Yeah. I like, I like the bullishness. John? Uh, I'm going to go with... I think I'm going to go with... Uh, 80 ETH. 80 ETH, okay. Wow, big big, big gap big in uh, expectations. <laughs> Order of magnitude like below. <laughs> All right, what do you guys know, have any idea what's going to be sold? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we know we know the pieces, and we are working with artists now on pricing uh, to create pricing schemes that'll be successful. Any any well-known artists that people will know out there? We haven't publicly uh, announced the list yet. We've got some really good marketing materials that I appreciate you teasing the audience a little <laughs> bit. But <laughs> stay on our Instagram, stay on our Twitter, and you'll start to see these pieces appear. So this is the. Th are you doing this with Codex? Is this what this is? Yeah. yeah so yeah. we're collaborating okay. with Consensus and Codex to That's do a live. Right. Because yeah. Jess told us that she was telling me. So you show you've maintained the silence. This the, is awesome. Yeah, the cone of silence. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Jess Holgrave from Codex Protocol. You're listening to Art on the Blockchain, uh, having a wonderful discussion about the impact of blockchain on the art world. May 9th, don't forget DC. That's right. Gonna be doing powwow. powwow. Um I'll be I'll be emceeing that event, I think, right? Yeah. That's right. I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be talking <laughs> shit to all y'all that come. Thanks. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. There's gonna Get be the uh, booze too, so come at least for the booze. Come for the booze. Heineken sponsoring the entire yeah. event. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. Powwow, yeah, it looks pretty cool. I was looking it up. Um big event. Starting in Hawaii or something. Or? Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yes, where is it going to be? Uh, oh, man. It's like... Okay, it it's on... I know the yeah. O Street, I think, is That's what right. I saw. That's we'll right. we'll post the, the link to the yeah. bottom. The Holy Bone Studio. Holy Bone Studio. And again, you go to rareartlab.io for information on that. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Does it cost money to get in? No. Free. It's free. There's free. booze. There's going to be world-class art. Dope art for your house. <laughs> First time. And to be a bidder, you yeah. do have to come with Ethereum in your wallet. So oh, shit. We'll have some, we'll some how-to videos we're going to start posting to make it easy for you to buy Ethereum and Coinbase. What's, what's a mobile wallet you recommend for Toshi? Toshi. Without Toshi. a doubt. Yeah. Toshi. Toshi's great. T-O-S-H-I. It's built by Coinbase, and it's a mobile browser with an Ethereum wallet built in. It's, it's fantastic. Okay. It's out now? 
Yeah, it is. All right, I haven't yeah. used it. All right, cool. It's pretty decent. Yeah, it's pretty decent. All right, and yeah, the guys behind it are super smart, and they're like, who's fast. behind it? Uh, the guys behind Coinbase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sid's the product ma- product lead over there. Okay. Um, we've had the opportunity of working with him and with Emra, um, both individuals who Shout I believe out. came to Rare Art Festival. Um, and absolutely, they they see the future just like we do, which is that we believe there is a big future for earning cryptocurrency that goes far beyond this speculation market. Bam. Uh, we got, I think, James from Video Calling in here. Cool. Hello. Hold Jim? on a second, hold on. What's the mother Do you hear me? Jim? I hear somebody. I think I hear him. All right. Oh, shit. Yeah. We all hear it? Hey. Hey, how's it going? So we got, um, we had to interrupt our conversation real quick. Um, we got the video guys calling in and um, create bid. And um, we have James and Trevor on the line, right? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Sweet. So, uh, real quick, uh, get a quick introduction. Uh, what is uh, Create Bid and Video? So, basically, it's a decentralized marketplace for purposeful uh, attention exchanges. So, really, for sponsorship um, without compromising integrity. Okay. And um, we're in we're in the studio with the Rare Art Labs guys too. Wanted to make sure everybody said hi to each other. Hey, hey, you got John from Rare Art Labs here. Yeah, this is Kevin. Nice cool. to meet you. Yeah, so, um, uh, Trevor, you uh, developed the ERC-888 for this uh, video? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep, ERC-888. Um, and if you read into that at all um, or checked out the, the GitHub page, the EIP, uh, it's called the multi-dimensional token standard uh, and what that does is that that basically begets tokenization um, for uh, in our in our in our perspective and on the video platform um, it begets tokenization for each user's attention which in this case is a, a, a unique identifier or a unique token for every account in the system um, and the way that the system works is users, pay attention to content creators uh, with their token. Uh, so every time a user watches content on our platform, um, the, the content creator gets that, that token in their wallet based on the, the discrete watch time uh, of the viewer. Uh, and then we have our protocol layer that builds on that, so we'll get into that a little bit later, I, I guess. Whoa. Crazy. All right, and to for the, for the layman's term, what is your guys... Uh, for you know, just the average person listening, what is the benefit for uh, using your platform for content creators, artists, etc.? Yeah, it's all about showing support. So there's viewers who watch the content, the creators who you know coordinate around shared goals and contribute positivity through their like energy and, and self-expression, and then the sponsors who are essentially market makers providing liquidity directing the you know uh, flow of creativity I guess in a way but um, you know the the goal is to make sure that the creators remain in control with complete transparency okay and then- yeah and I wanted to jump in there and, and just say when yeah 
on video, the word sponsor and market maker are inherently interchangeable. So in that way, we, I just talked about this multidimensional token standard. Well, what does it mean if I have just a, a wallet full of these tokens? In some respects, like they become real or they become money when they, there's a means of exchange there. So sponsors provide liquidity for these tokenized actions, uh, which basically means after I got all this attention in my wallet, I can go to the store. Uh, we're not there yet at the point of sale, but I can go to the store and I can buy something with it. That's the through line. That's the great. That's you know. That's the goal. Okay. Is to be able to support artists financially. And then uh, you use you turn those these, these then tokenized the cons- action into money. Okay. So like, if I was watching um, uh, one of Kev here's video about um, how to use Toshi, then uh, I would be rewarded. Uh, and say uh, Toshi then sponsored that so I would earn some kind of token that I could ideally use by going on the Toshi platform so it's a continuous token model on the supply side and that's the multi-dimensional view token protocol Mm -hmm. and when you watch the video that multi-dimensional view token is created based on the watch time and if Toshi were to place a bid, that would be like providing the liquidity, you know, when a view occurs, that is like a transaction or an, an interaction. Um, so, you know, in that way, you're making an attention exchange with with the sponsor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um... Kind of like indirect. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. What's indirect? So there's indirect attention exchanges, and that's kind of like when the sponsor is trying to uh, gain recognition for supporting the original creator. But the direct attention exchange is the viewer just watching the content. What's up, party people? This is Chris DeRose, and you're tuned in to Art on the Blockchain. I I, I still, I I had a, so let let me backtrack a a second here. We had a meetup uh, intro to crypto art and crypto music this past weekend in, uh, uh, James came down and presented to um, the meetup. Thank you very much. So proud for that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and we had uh, some some uh, good food and stuff afterward. Good and, questions. Uh, we played a good pool game where we uh, <laughs> every every time somebody wins is because the other person scratched the eight ball. <laughs> so that was interesting. Oh, well, y'all got best out of three. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um. But so you went, you started the, the the talk off by you uploaded uh, one of my videos, the Can't Smoke a Bitcoin joint, and uh, you kind of de- debuted that, I guess, and showed how when by watching it, you placed a price of eight cents on each watch. Is that right? Yeah. So we actually sponsored the video as part of our featured mm-hmm. videos campaign. So video is acting as a, a liquidity provider for you, and others can compete for that exclusive sponsorship opportunity. So other sponsors can come on and bid. Your campaign is a max of like eight dollars and eighty cents, and eight cents per click. I could come in as a uh, as a car dealership, and I could say I have a hundred dollars and ten cents to play, and then I would be able to choose that. Well, right now it's, you know, highest bid 
is the winner, but our methodology, the auction methodology, is to give power to the creators. And that's what the multidimensional market is all about. Because when thinking about tokenizing attention, we ran into a conundrum, which is that the viewer and the creator both claim the right of first decision to that value created. So there needs to be you know, a circular hierarchy between those two sides of the screen, um, and, and that maintains the control for each participant. Um, and actually aligns the incentives of everyone involved. Um, but yeah, like the the bidding is from a brand, but you have a brand to protect as well. So you don't want to you know accept any bid. You want to make sure that it's a mutual endorsement. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, and I want to touch on coming back to the indirect and direct uh, exchange a little bit. Going back to that. Just so we know, you know, just to, you know, put this out there, that, you know, we, we you know, in, in the realm of, like, consensus ledgers where we all know, like, the value uh, of, the, of the data points in the database, you can see who are the token holders and who have, su- who have supported certain content creators or certain types of content. So it looks good, you know, in the mind of a market maker or a sponsor to have a holding of certain types of tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that way, that's some form of indirect sponsorship. But when when you when you see that a sponsor is purchasing these tokens, that's 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 a, a direct form of sponsorship. Oh uh, yeah! In, in place of the traditional ad mo- mo- models, this is a way of recognition for these market makers or sponsors. It's like a reputation. They're, you can see, and we we all see that they are supporting this content because they're holding those tokens. Gotcha. Yeah, there's accountability, and I think what he's getting at is that right now we're selling logo placements in the corner. So the creators are selling that unique ad format and keeping 100% of the revenue. But eventually, you won't have to sell that. You can just sell the token that represents a click-through or watch time or some other viewer action. What do you guys think? Sounds interesting. I uh, I was just reading through the EIP for EIP 888 for this new token structure, um, but my quick read told me I learned very quickly that I'm going to need to sit down for a cup of coffee to to understand this fully. Yeah, I mean, I think overall it's a really interesting way to monetize attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to see what you guys do with it. Um, totally down to check it out for sure. It's it's the another attention type thing that people might have heard about is like Brave browsers trying to do something too, right? We're very familiar with Brave. I don't want to you know be too pointed, but they're definitely a, a basic attention token, um, and that's all I'll say there. <laughs> Shots fired. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. Um, so, um, Trevor, what have you? What have you? How did you start with the? You made the ERC eight 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 for this particular model, or you made it and then the model came up off of this? Uh, uh, I mean, it, it came about as just you know, a means of problem solving um, with with how do you implement n number of tokens? Uh, it doesn't scale and it doesn't make sense to make, for example, an infinite number of ERC twenty tokens and deploy those on your. EVM or your Ethereum consortium blockchain. It just doesn't work. 
Um, so that's the problem we were faced with. How do we make a token for every single end user that scales? Uh, and we, we, you can't do that with the base model of ERC-20. So it was basically a, a scalability problem that we ran into. And if you if you read the... Is that what, is that what CryptoKitties is, though? Uh, so crypto, crypto, uh, James James has a lot a lot more to throw here. But oh, okay. CryptoKitties is, uh, is, a, is a, yeah he's about it is, is a non fungible token. Uh, it's their own EIP. I'm not sure the number okay, right okay. off. What are they? Are um, they but seven twenty one. Okay. Seven twenty one. All right, all right. So they're NFT. What the fuck is they Seven twenty one is cool. Um, I think I gave this breakdown, and maybe I can hear what Trevor thinks about it. But uh, the way I like to explain multi dimensional tokens is. Like if you if you have a fungible token like color token, um, and then within that you have non fungible tokens like red and blue. Um, what multidimensionality enables is red token and blue token. So you know it's not really a token; it's like the red dimension and the blue dimension, um, and they each have their own specific rules, uh, which can be just a balance, some kind of uh, you know model that that uh, ov- overall uh, gives rise to a, a protocol um, so that's uh, maybe helpful but yeah uh, yeah I was just gonna say you know crypto kitties is you know really it's, it's great but it's a crypto asset which on the data structure is you know, curly hair or you know green fur I mean that's some you know interesting you know uh, contracts or interesting methods in their contract that allows for uh, evolution of these kitties and how they can breed with one another. Interesting, um, interesting economic model. Um, but there's definitely, definitely a lot of interest in that. We saw that through these kitties being sold at exorbitant prices. Um, it's great to be coding in a place where you're creating value like that. And props to the crypto kitties team for executing. All right, John. John wants to say something real quick. Yeah, I was going to add also uh, to anyone listening who enjoys token constructs uh, and likes reading through EIPs. We also recently introduced and released our own EIP. Um, two of them actually. One is for the standardization of metadata that surrounds the ERC seven twenty one tokens and bringing that metadata structure over to ERC twenty. Um, so we actually ran into a similar issue where one interesting thing about the ERC-721 standard is that there is a resource ID associated with each token, um, and that unique ID uh, can also be an IPFS hash. And so we're working towards, um, and we've already collaborated and successfully implemented this with Toshi, but to actually bring the metadata standard from ERC-721 to an optional extension of the ERC-20 token interface. Uh, so we really encourage people to check out that EIP on our GitHub. So that's github.com slash rareartlabs. And you can see our forked EIP and and, uh, and and entries there. They're both drafts, but we're really encouraging feedback from the community because we think that ERC-20 should have all of the same benefits optionally as the ERC-721 construct. Oh, okay, cool. So we got we got two 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 squads in here. Both are messing with the EIPs and oh, and trying to make Ethereum uh, non fungible tokens even stronger. That's what it sounds like. And you all both do a token curated registry. 
um, James sent me a list of stuff to check out. We'll put it at the bottom of this uh, podcast so y'all can check out Token Curated Registry Reading List on Medium. Thanks for that, James. Yeah, a lot of reading and words. Uh, so, you know, the end goal is really to drive progress through creativity because if you align the incentives of creators and sponsors, you actually, you know, promote a, a worthwhile and, and valuable purpose for the community. So, um, so James, what did you think about the event on uh, Saturday? It was a lot of fun. I mean, it's cool to hear from artists who are just interested in learning more about the space and you know, hearing all the different ways that, that people are thinking about making money with crypto art. And, and uh, one of my favorite quotes is from our friend uh, Angel, who likes to say that art can do more for the blockchain than blockchain can do for art. And I really think that's true because um, we've seen a lot of awareness brought to the technology from cultural uh, contributions like you know, can't smoke a Bitcoin, for example. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, I, I agree with Jessica's yeah. uh, quote as well. Artists are, uh, are cultural influencers, and you know, they're doing all, all service. I, they deserve I, to be, have all their stuff monetized. I know James uh, is a singer and uh, plays the uh, bass guitar. Are you, dabble, yeah. are you gonna uh, monetize any uh, music on the blockchain? I'm hoping that our platform fills up so the few videos with me singing are uh, a drop in the ocean. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely thinking about ways to create more always. Um, you know, just a constant pursuit of self-fulfillment, self-actualization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a strong and a strong pivot, but I'll bring it back is transparent workplaces. I like I am a fan of streaming when I code uh, to stream my work and you know, very transparent and open and audible to anyone who works with me. Um, so I hope to stream my creative process of coding and working in general to espouse more transparent workplaces. Um, and that that in of itself is a creative path, mm-hmm. but organizations. We're moving towards a more transparent uh, future, which I'm very excited about. When you mean when you say transparent workplaces, you mean like open spaces. I mean, what do, what do you mean by that? What do what do you mean by saying transparent workplaces? What the fuck is it like? Can you say that a little bit louder? It's uh, I'm closer than mic. Well, I'm wondering. Is yeah, it? I can't hear anything. It's, oh. It's can you hear me? Oh. And now somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. Uh, what I was asking is, what do you mean by transparent workplace? Sure, sure. I, I mean by that in the sense of doing technical work. Uh, what I do when I code is I live stream or live broadcast my computer screen, and you know, it's kind of like you saw on Twitch with the, you know the guy's head in the corner and he's playing a game or doing whatever. Mm. So when I'm coding, I live stream my desktop. Um, and so if you had a group of you know technical people working together, co-creating you know some. Um, some product or some technical service that that then becomes transparent when you stream that process and it becomes artwork in and of itself so attention on on that stream uh, you can earn uh, you get paid to work right in that way that you know so you get you could earn on the work you're doing when you're streaming your work by being transparent through the attention exchanges we're espousing when people are consuming that content or watching that content 
you also work, you know, get paid when you do your work. So, it, you know, it's kind of a double down on that idea. But I'm also I'm really excited about transparent workplaces uh, in the future when we have completely transparent companies. That's, that's their modality of function. And that's how they work. They just stream their content or something to hide. I really believe in, in that uh, moving forward. And like I said, it's a strong pivot, so maybe we'll get back to art. But that, that's kind of like on the side <laughs> there, something that I'm is good. about. What, what, how would, uh, I guess my question on that is, is if so if I watched you do uh, work at the workplace, and I would probably be streaming myself eating a meal at the same time, and um, I'd be earning tokens off streaming my meal, and I'd be paying you in tokens for the time I'm, I'm er, for watching, of learning about you work, right? And helping you earn totally. tokens, correct? So how? <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's and no one's saying you, you have to do this, but it's more you know economically feasible in the you know coming multi-dimensional um, pluralist value world. It's a fun philosophical thing if you or any of your listeners want to look up value monism versus value pluralism that kind of cuts to the core about that's homework today guys ethos of the the crypto ethos of uh of of, uh of tokenization and and moving away from fiat based to more functional based value systems so this is like this is almost like starting like a bit of a ubi Oh, totally. Except delete the word uh, basic out of there, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot more intentionality than just being basic. Yeah, but we, we think it starts with art, you know, and that's why we're excited to collaborate with Hashtag Art Project and all sorts of creators who are, you know, calling attention to the right messages, mm-hmm. you know, the right purpose. Talk, talk about that with art, this Hashtag Art Project. Uh, what's your role in that? Hello, everyone. This is Jessica Angel from Art Project Decentralized. You guys are listening to Art on the Blockchain podcast, hosted by Jay Skrilla and Cynthia Gayton. James. So we've been thinking about ways to, you know, fund future art projects. Uh, listeners might be familiar because you had Jessica Angel on to talk about the Klein bottle, the Doji bridge, and, and uh, that specific art project, which is going to be an installation up in New York City. Um, and, and that's all made possible by Truebit, which is building that software bridge between Dogecoin and Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, it's kind of more of a meta um, hashtag art project, uh, you know, curation market that uh, will drive progress in the art world, help uh, artists get funded and, and follow their dreams and, and, you know, make cool stuff. So I'm really excited about that, but you can imagine the implications of video will involve education and government and, you know, all sorts of societal aspects. Yeah, and um, going back to what you talked about, like UVI in a certain respect, I think it's, you know, or maybe just UI, universal income, I think it's like the... Creating art, in, in my mind, is the, the epitome or the direct manifestation of what that means to live in a kind of a in that world of the crypto ethos. Uh, so I, I support myself by by being my own creative being, um, making art uh, in that way. If you think about it on a number line from work to art, you know, uh, 
uh, art is the most you know free, freeing um, place to be in, um, and I think it's what a lot of that's part of the human experience. And you know, moving forward into the the future, hopefully more of us will be able to experience um, that realm of possibility of being artists and being supported by it, as opposed to being held down by um, you know economic scarcity. Um, but that's why it's so fun to be the uh, innovator in the space. You can see the, the economic uh, propagation your work can have, uh, even though you know we're maybe a couple years from the, from this you know being mainstream. It's really fun to be in the space. Right, there, right. There's lots of great potential it's for a good cause. So what what kind of art do you do? My art, okay. Um, so uh, I mean, I write. I, I, I stream my stuff. That's maybe the most. Uh, open and transparent on the internet. You're like a poet? I stream my code. Oh, you're yeah. Yeah, so I have a poet mean, with I've the code? Bunch. His code is his art form. Totally. For sure. uh, but totally. he's big time creator. Always, uh, you know, pulling out pieces of paper to draw stuff and uh, putting colors on oh. the, the wall, you know, so to speak. Trevor, 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 can we get four bars about about some code uh, oh shit okay <laughs> let's go let's get right into it let's feel it let's let's say it now let's code let's broadcast let's be transparent say it loud man, man i don't know man it's all good, <laughs> it's all good <laughs> the fact that you that's did it is, 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 is know, that's, you a, that's you amazing win. right there <laughs> yo somebody sent me a, a clip somebody sent me a clip yesterday of a guy being interviewed on 60 Minutes of he had a he had a computer thing in his ear, on his brain, and in his mouth. Oh yeah, I saw that. And the person was asking the the CBS person was saying, you know, what's a million da 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 times? Some crazy math problem. And then the computer computer would figure it out, send a message to it from his ear to his brain thing, and make his mouth automatically say the answer in three seconds. Man, what the fuck are you talking about, man? That's crazy. Can we blockchain that? Right. <laughs> 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 we'll sure. That's 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 some fucking do you want advanced th- shit right there. Who wants that? <laughs> I kinda want that. I mean You kinda want that to somebody else thinking for you? <laughs> your brain <laughs> That's some uh that's some wait, hybrid shit. Just wait till the NSA gets their hands on that. Uh, uh, they already probably. I'm developed. sure they've had it for ten years. If we're seeing it on CBS right now. Yeah, right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. What you all are doing? Something? A a ther? I can't never say it. Right. Ethereal on May 11th. Yeah, there's that uh, makerspace that our project is doing, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be sort of like the one they did at East Denver which is where we made the original proposal for video to get involved. Okay. Um, but it should be something. It's always a you know, continuous work in progress with art, right? Yeah, yeah. The Rare Art Labs guys are doing an auction here too, so you all are. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. That's, I remember the Homer Pepe and, and uh, you know, special <laughs> kitty auction. Those, yeah. were, those are pretty amazing. <laughs> first yeah. festival. I love it. I love it. That's where we're at. The Homer Homer Pepe and Crypto Kitty auction. <laughs> it's, it's fucking real, yeah, though. It's real. You know, now it's even it's more... It's embedded in my brain. And, and, uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Yeah. Does Kitty want a treat? I need more images. Fine art. 
Yeah. Provably rare. <laughs> Do you guys think memes are art? Yeah, of course. Is this a well, cool I question? I mean, like, who's to oh, say, I guess, but who's to yeah. say they're not? I vote yes. So we got we got three and a half. Yeah, yes I, I think it is for sure. Um, you know, I was I was looking at uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what is it Lamborghini Tamagotchi? Same. Yeah, I mean, he has a crazy body of work. He makes a shit ton of memes. Yeah, and they're hilarious. And you know, just scrolling at his feed, I mean, right. that's work. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think I think they're modern day artists. Right. I agree. Uh, maybe not all memes are art, but a lot of memes are art. Maybe I'll say that. It's subjective. There's an art in making There's memes. an art in making memes, yeah. To, to a good one, anyway. You can make a shitty one very easily. But making one that uh, goes viral or reaches, makes you feel a certain way, whether bad or good or indifferent. Or... If it, yeah, if you, may, if you feel a type of way, then it's art. Well, memes can be just ideas, but I think... Just the yeah. element of creativity makes it somewhat artsy. Right. Yeah, I guess visual memes and creating them is, I guess, talking about that more than an actual meme meme. We, we need to have a meme philosopher on our show soon. We happen to know one in Richmond. <laughs> oh, there's you one ever, in Richmond. <laughs> you ever need a guy. You need a guy. We've got a guy. <laughs> I want to get a few memers on here that have different aspects of, and we can talk about it because... Oh, there's a lot of different opinions. Yeah, I memes. mean, memes is like, it's like a collaboration with a group mind in a certain respect. It's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. you know, how things evolve. Totally. What's the uh, best meme going around right now? Uh, I think best? I, I define best. I don't know. What's the meme that it makes you laugh out loud? That you like the best, sir? I don't know. I like that I, uh, Vitalik Pepe, but I don't think that's new. <laughs> nice. I think the old go-to is the my favorite is the Drake. From Hotline Blake. Yeah, I sometimes like to see these like overbaked things. In that way, they they they've been it becomes almost like a pixel. They've been shared around so many times. They've been it, it's just it just shows how they're they're spread. And there's like 20 watermarks in the corner, and they're just yeah. It's like this used they up. Deteriorate. I think that's kind of funny. Maybe not the best, right? In, in yeah. comedic terms, but it's interesting. Yeah, I guess, uh, so for anybody that wants to use CreateBid, what, what's the website they go to? It's C-R-E-8-Bid.io. And so that's just our interface where you can upload and make bids and watch videos. But we imagine there will be a lot more interfaces like that. Um, but it's CreateBid. Um, and the overall project is called Bidio. Um so the eventuality is a governance solution that involves task management. So you're just like creating a stream, creating a show, creating a poster, creating a, a you know, bridge, create, creating a, a, you know, meal, you know, whatever it may be. But uh, eventually we'll be able to unite everyone and, and make a difference. In, in people's lives. All right. That sounds like you're echoing John a little bit. John, when John from Rare Art Labs came on, he said he's they're, they're changing. They're going to change the world and make a difference as well. So I believe it. I mean, the whole space is. They're not trying to hurt. Uh, you know, 
rallying around the shared goals. Like I said, it's all about coordination. Yeah. Indeed. So yes, it's also about you know intentionality of our intention. Um, and our big bold headliner statement is is uh, energy is the imaginary now. In that way, so be. Let me even explain what that is at length in a certain respect in our token page. Um, but be, be intentional with where you place your attention and be aware of the energy implicit in your own imagination in how you focus your attention. And if we did that as a, as a collective, we woke up a little bit more to that, both in how we value that from an accounting, means of account standpoint, and also just purely our own uh, conscious intent. That's, that'd be, that's super awesome and I feel that we're on the cusp of that to a certain degree um, so part of our, our I'm getting this a little bit too much but part of our um, our explanation on the token page talks about that you know reaching a consensus coming to consensus on our collective attention as a group we know what we're watching we know how we're spending our finite and extremely valuable attention when we know that as a group together we can then act within those extra dimensions of information. But that I mean we can learn to evolve. We can we have more information about how we are as a society and how we spend our time, how we focus our attention. But coming back to the individual, it's very important how we all spend our attention. We only have 24 hours a day. Um, and right now we're, we're converting that into a crypto asset, which is pretty cool and it values I think the most uh, manifest of human skill, which is creativity and creating art. So we're turning human attention into a token, into value to help people create uh, as a means of income. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's game changing and it's also game changing when we can come to consensus on our group's attention. Are, are you guys? Are you? Are you guys? Were you, are you guys targeting a certain audience with that philosophy? So, if you're talking about the creators, we definitely think artists are a big way to get started because it raises awareness. Mm -hmm. But we also think education around the the crypto ethos and and uh, applications. You know the the idea of decentralization is something that takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around so there's a lot of people doing great work to bring more people into the space uh, from a technological perspective and then and then uh yeah i think eventually it'll be just a push toward a more transparent world that uh you know maybe you don't watch everything on video but uh you go to video to make a difference like i said you're you're intentionally paying attention to what matters to you, what you believe is valuable to your community and and uh, ultimately driving progress with greater accountability. Cool. It's deep. Create bed video has a very deep message going on over here. I can feel the deepness. <laughs> I have lots of, uh, you know, self-proclaimed uh, sh uh, shit posts, I'll say on Twitter, um, but you know, mixed with informative retweets. At JWAP is 
where to go to find them. At J-W-A-U-G-H. I just wanted to give a shout out to my little sister. Uh, both my little sisters, really, they uh, surprised me for my birthday. And, and my profile photo on Twitter is uh, something my little sister Lucy created. Uh, and, and it's the video logo, which is a fun little puzzle. If you can uh, find the words Y and I in the logo, then uh, you'll know why it's a symbol of personal motivation to us as a company and as a collective. All right, so we got a puzzle to solve, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to, listen, that's going to cost my attention. So <laughs> I better get paid. Hey, I'm going to send you guys an invoice. We'll put it in the bed for, for your attention. Yeah. We'll be markers. Yeah. We'll be supporters. <laughs> put a logo on the logo. Yeah. Fucking. Sound like oh, what's his name? I put a pool. My pool got a pool. My logo got a logo. Put a car within a car. Yeah. I heard you like logos. <laughs> that's a good meme. Yeah, the exhibit <laughs> joint. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good meme. Indeed. Multi-dimensional yeah. meme. Yeah. So yeah, um, you guys have the multi-dimensional uh, view tokens. Um, it's it's uh it's a lot to look at, but uh, anybody want to listen or check it out, definitely go to the website mentioned. We'll have it at the bottom as well. Um, we uh we appreciate the call in. Anything else y'all want to drop before uh, you get out of here? Yeah, I just I just wanted to come back to you know for viewers to you know, still thinking about this, trying to figure out how to understand some of it. Check out uh, value monism versus value pluralism. That cuts to the core about about crypto ethos. What it means to step away from fiat-based currency um, to a tokenization model um, for value, where there's you know a lot of programmatic intent that goes into what it means to both create and earn those tokens. Um, a lot of smart people are spending a lot of their their time and hard-earned attention. Uh, in making these protocols. Um, so we're programming, you know, the, the new era of money. Everyone's heard that about crypto, but I encourage you to look up value monism versus pluralism. And that's Dope. right into stepping away from fiat-based currency to tokenization. And create. That's it. No, create. Yeah, and, and yeah, just create. C-R-E-A-T. Mm-hmm. All that philosophy, those philosophy classes coming in handy with this thinking right here. <laughs> all right, well, we still have the Rare Art Lives, guys. We, we appreciate you all uh, sticking around on this. We, give me a mic check real quick. Yeah, check here, John. Yep. Check John. Cool, cool. Yep. It's good. Yeah, we're still all good. So right now we're in the alpha phase of Rare Art Labs. That's, that's right. Beta's dropping on May 11th, yeah. um, along with our Pow Wow Auction May 9th in D.C. Come to the Pow Wow D.C. Festival mm-hmm. um, and our live auction there. And then if you're in the New York area, come out May 11th and 12th to the Ethereal Summit. That's where we'll be officially launching the app. Um, so come check it out or download it at home and start buying rare digital art before all the, uh, the, the Ethereum millionaires get to it at, at Ethereal. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Well, I appreciate you guys. And um, you all have t-shirts for sale too, right? 
That's right. That's is there right. a second run coming? Yeah, he's got to hit us up. Where you? Where you? Where you they're, all, they're, they're, they're a little too. <laughs> they're a little too rare for our own good. I like it. I like it. And people can go into the Discord chat to find y'all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you guys normally are. You can find us on Discord and Twitter, mm-hmm. right? Or the lab at rareart.io is our, uh, our combined email address. So reach out there, reach out Twitter, reach out on Discord. Very cool. And uh, Rare Art Labs is definitely doing up. Two up, two down. VA in the house. What up? <laughs> But uh, and New York is in the house as well because you guys are doing, doing a lot of there as well. All right. Um, cool. Well, we'll end the show with, on that note. Unless right. you got anything extra to add? All right. Well, thanks so much for having us on the show. We're uh, big fans of the podcast and can't wait to come back next time or see you at the next event. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.